Uh, my sister went to uh, Australia after her O-levels, and uh, she went to university there, and she worked there, she married an Australian man, and she has two kids there, and she's been living in Australia since 1987. But I've noticed uh, over the years that you can take my sister out of Singapore, but you can't take the Singapore out of my sister. Uh, I noticed that when she comes back, if you talk to her, she doesn't really have much of an Australian accent. Uh, she still likes to eat a lot of Singaporean food. But what really, really convinced me that she's still really a Singaporean at heart was when she came back for uh, the holidays uh, recently. Because she told me that uh, in Australia, her kids go to tuition classes, <laughs> right? which was really unheard of. And more than that, even though her, her, her kids were with her on holidays in Singapore, they were not allowed to play or watch TV until they did the homework that she gave them every day. Right? So to me, I thought, wow, you know, she's still really a Singaporean at heart, even though she's lived in Singapore all this time. So I was sort of thinking to myself, it says a lot about your origins, right? Where you come from, uh, because it's reflected in things that you do and at the deepest level, what you actually uh, believe and practice. And I think it also really determines uh, your future, as we will see in this passage. Because I think if we were to sum up what this passage is about today, it's all about origins, where you come from, who you are, and where you will go. Now it begins in verse 12. We're not going to look at verse uh, 1 to 11. You can ask me about it later. You should have covered that during the Bible studies. But in verse 12, we're going to look at that to begin with. And Jesus spoke again to the people and he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now who are these people that Jesus is speaking to? Well, it says there in verse 12 that he spoke again to the people. Now the last time that he spoke to the people was in chapter 7, verse 37 to verse 40. Right? So we presume that these are the same group of people that he's speaking to. He's still in Jerusalem. It's still within the context of the Feast of the Tabernacles. So on the last and the greatest day of the Feast of the Tabernacles, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, streams of living water will flow from within him. And by this he meant the Spirit through whom, sorry, whom those who believe, had believed in him were later to receive. At that time the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. So once we understand the, the people that he's talking to, the context and the setting of what is happening here, it really begins to make sense because the same group of people that he's talking to had heard of Jesus using a very similar image of what he's using here. So in the past he said, I am... Uh, like the living water, right? If you believe in me, you have streams or rivers of living water flowing from you. But now he changes the image and he says in verse 12, I am the light of the world. Right? I'm the light of the world. And it's the same image because the light here is not the light of illumination, the light of revelation or the light of sight, but it is the, the light of life. Okay, so like living water and the light of life are effectively saying the same thing. And we see that Jesus is still trying to reach out to the people. He's appealing to the people. He's entreating the people to come to him to have life, to have the living water or to have the light of life. But in verse 12, in chapter 8 onwards, we begin to see there's a darker tone, a more cutting edge to what Jesus is saying. Because in verse 12, he says, Whoever follows me will never 
walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, I think that this is very different from before, isn't it? Because before he talks about living water, but now he talks about the light of life. But he says that you are actually living in darkness. You need to come to the light of life. Now, what does it mean to be living in darkness, to be remaining in darkness? Now, the opposite of life, obviously, is death, right? So darkness could represent death. But darkness, as we've seen in the book of John, means so much more than just death. So earlier on, in uh, chapter 3, Jesus talks in the same, with the same sort of imagery of darkness. Okay, so in chapter 3, next slide, he said, Whoever believes in him, in Jesus, is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stems condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men loved darkness instead of light, because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light, and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. So darkness is not just the opposite of life, which is death, right? Darkness is not just death, but darkness encompasses the idea of evil and wickedness and sin. So let's get very clear what Jesus is saying here. He's saying that you need to move out of the darkness of sin, wickedness and evil and therefore death, into the light of life. Okay, so I think this is a very important point for us because it really changes the way that we view life in general. You see, I was talking to um, someone last week and uh, that person was talking about how generally we are, you know, he's looking for spirituality and things like that. And I said, well, actually, your worldview is very different from what the Bible talks about. Because the Bible doesn't say about how we are good people who just need a bit of spirituality to get to heaven. Jesus is saying something totally opposite. We are all living in darkness, the darkness of sin and wickedness and evil and death. And we need to move to light, the light that Jesus brings us. I remember uh, last week, or the week before, I, I belonged to a few WhatsApp groups which, uh, of different Bible studies. And someone sent a quote by C.S. Lewis and saying how, as usual, C.S. Lewis has very profound and deep insight. He said, you know, usually in the past, mankind always saw itself as sitting under God's judgment. Right? We were in the dock Right, being judged by God who is the judge, and we will, he would judge us for our wickedness and evil. But he says that modern man or you know, modern humanity has reversed the positions. There's been a role reversal. He said now man is the judge, and God is in the dock. And we judge God because he permits suffering, war, poverty, and disease in the world. And I think that's quite true, isn't it? Because nowadays we often judge God, but we do not see ourselves as being judged by God. We have lost the worldview of where we are actually living in darkness, in sin and wickedness, and therefore judged by God and dying, and needing to move into the, the light. But that's what Jesus is saying. They need to not walk in the darkness, but come into the light. Now in verse 13 
says the Pharisees challenged him. Here you are appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. Now, before in verse 12, who was he speaking to? He was speaking to the crowd of people, right? So mixed into this crowd of people, mingling with the crowd were the Pharisees. And, and these Pharisees, well, they were against Jesus. They wanted to kill Jesus, as we saw last chapter. They wanted to arrest Jesus, and they were frustrated when the temple guards couldn't arrest Jesus. So here they challenged Jesus' authority. Right? They, it says there, that's what it says. They challenged him. And they said, look, here you are appearing as your old witness. Your, your testimony is not valid. We can't rely on it. It's not true. Right? They're, they're trying to sway the crowd and say, don't listen to Jesus. Now, Jesus had already answered this question about uh, the validity of his testimony. All right, chapter 5, if you look up here on this slide, remember Jesus earlier on in chapter 5 had already spoken to the Pharisees after he had paralyzed the man who had been, uh, he healed him who had been paralyzed for 38 years. And he gives three testimonies to support his own testimony. He said, look, John the Baptist came and he testified to the truth. Right? Not that I accept human testimony, but I mention it so that you may be saved. John was a lamp that burned and gave light and you chose for a time to enjoy his light. Now I have a testimony weightier than that of John for the very work that the Father has given me to finish and that which I am doing testifies that the Father has sent me. So it's not just John who testifies, but the work testifies about Jesus. And lastly, the Father who has sent me has himself testified concerning me when Jesus was baptized. So Jesus has already answered this question, this challenge, this rejection, about how they can't rely on one man's testimony, Jesus. He said, look, I've got three people's testimony, John the Baptist, my miracles and my signs, and the Father himself. But here, if we look at chapter 8, verse 13 properly, the, the Pharisees are not really interested in finding out the truth. right? They just want to challenge him. So Jesus, in the rest of the chapter, really doesn't try to answer the questions anymore. I, I know that in the Bible study, some of you say, oh, you know, why is it Jesus doesn't answer their question? I think he doesn't answer their question. His question is because they're really not looking for an answer. What they really want is to try to discredit Jesus. I remember when I was in theological college, when uh, we used to go for evangelistic meetings and uh, dialogue meetings, where we would face, uh, you know, people asking all sorts of questions. One of the things that they taught us was that when people ask you questions, sometimes you have to ask, what is the question behind the question? You know, sometimes people ask you questions like, oh, why does God allow suffering? And they're not really asking an a, a, uh, intellectual question. Maybe they're asking a question because they, are, they know someone who's suffering from cancer. Or someone asks a question about divorce. They're not really asking a question about divorce. Maybe they're asking a question because they, they've been a victim or, of, of, of adultery or there's some friend of theirs or they're thinking of divorce themselves. So I think what's happening here in the rest of the chapter is Jesus is not really answering their question, but he's trying to go behind the question and trying to show behind the question why their thinking is so wrong. And this is where the question of origins comes in, right? Because it's all about their origin and his origin. So in verse 14, Jesus answered, Even if I testify on my own behalf, 
My testimony is valid. For I know where I came from and where I'm going. See, he knows his origins. But you have no idea where I come from or where I'm going. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. But if I do judge, my decisions are true because I am not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. In your own law, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am the one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. Then they asked him, Where is your Father? You do not know me or my Father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know my Father also. See here, he, he's very clear that who he is and his origins are very different from who the crowd is and what the crowd's origin is. See, he says, I know where I came from and I know where I'm going. So where did Jesus come from? He came from heaven, from the Father, and he's going back to the Father in heaven. And because of his origin from the Father, he cannot speak lies. He speaks the truth. What he says is reliable. So he says earlier on, right, they were challenging him and he said, oh, you know, your testimony is not valid. But he says, well, my testimony is valid because I come from God and God himself doesn't lie. But they are opposite. Their origin is different, where they come from and where they belong. Because they judge by human standards. They belong to the world and they do not know the Father, nor do they know heaven. Now, I think this is very important, right, because... Once we get clear where their origin is, then it becomes very clear why they cannot understand the person of Jesus and the state that they're in, why they're living in darkness. Okay, so follow me now as we look at verse 21 to 26, because where they come from will determine where they go. So once more, Jesus said to them, I'm going away and you will look for me and you will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. This made the Jews ask, will he kill himself? Is that why he says, where I go, you cannot come? But he continued, you are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins. If you do not believe that I am here, you will indeed die in your sins. Who are you, they asked, just as what I have been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say in judgment of you, but he who sent me is trustworthy. And what I heard from him, I tell the world. Now, I think that origin is so important, right? Because he's saying because of where they come from, because they are from below, because they are not from above, therefore, what is their state? Their state is to die in their sins. Now, here we see that uh, what Jesus is saying is is of a short-term nature, isn't it? See, look what he says there in verse 21. I'm going away, you look for me, and you will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. See, Jesus here has given up sort of trying to be really nice to them, but he's trying to tell them the truth. He's saying, look, I'm only here for a limited time, and if you do not listen to me, your origin will determine your destiny. And your destiny will be to die in your sin. Now, I think the context here is very important and we sort of lose it because we are, we are so confused 
by just listening to Jesus' words. Jesus' words are sort of like, take up so much of our attention, right? In chapter 7, verse 14, Jesus only came down to the Feast of Tabernacles midway. Okay, the Feast of Tabernacles takes about eight days. So by the end of it, as we read in chapter 7, verse 33, on the very last day, he was still talking and arguing and trying to convince the crowd. That means that he had been with them for four days. And yet on the fourth day, they're still asking the same questions over and over and over again. And that's why Jesus is saying, look, you're running out of time. You need to pay attention to what I'm saying. This is not uh, a game. Because when I go away and you do not accept me, there will be a cost. There will be a great cost. You will die in your sins. See, the, 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 the coming to Jesus, the coming to the light, is not a, you know, a frivolous decision. A decision where, well, you know, if I choose to come, I don't come, well, no, no big deal, right? It's not like I try the latest restaurant or something, right? Coming to the light and not coming to the light determines whether you will die in your sins. And that is so important for us to hear, and that's what Jesus is trying to, to, to really emphasize to the crowd. I have a friend of mine, I'm sure all of you have a friend like this. He's a really happy-go-lucky guy, right? He's probably the guy I know with the, the fewest and least worries in life. He seems to have no cares in the world, right? Basically, he lives from day to day. Okay, do you ever? No, I have my friend is like that. I don't know whether you know anybody like that. But he never worries about anything. He never takes anything seriously. He doesn't take life seriously. And that's why it's so hard for me to share the gospel with him. You know, I've shared the gospel with him many times. I've given him books to read. But you know what the problem is? He just doesn't take anything seriously. So I know I'm trying to tell him, hey, you know, you know, if you if you if you don't accept Jesus Christ, right, you go to hell, you'll die. And now he's like. Okay, so what's the big deal, right? It's like, you know, it's like he doesn't take anything seriously. Whenever I, 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 I think of him, I think of these words of Jesus, right? You look at this passage in verse 21 and in verse 24, Jesus says the same thing three times. I'm going away and you look for me and you will die in your sin. In verse 24, I told you that you would die in your sins if you do not believe that I am He, you will indeed die in your sins. See, the default position of my friend, the default position of the Jews and the crowd, the default position of the Pharisees is that they are living in darkness and in their sins, and without Jesus Christ, they will die in their sins in the darkness. If you do not come to the light, that is what is at stake. Dying in your sins. Now in verse 31 to 32, we see that uh, the crowd takes, goes into the background. Right? The Pharisees go into the background. Because now in verse 31, it is the, the Jews who believed in him, to the disciples Jesus is talking to. And Jesus says to these disciples, if you hold on to my teaching, if you abide by my word, right? In some translation says, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves to anyone. How can you say that uh, we shall be free? 
And Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, yet you are looking for a way to kill me because you have no room for my word. I am telling you what I have seen in the Father's presence, and you are doing what you have heard from your father. Abraham is our father, they answered. If you were Abraham's children, Jesus answered, then you would do what Abraham did. As it is, you are looking for a way to kill me, a man who told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. You are the work, you're doing the works of your father. We're not illegitimate children, they protested. The only father we have is God himself. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I am come from here from God. I have not come on my own. God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If I'm telling you the truth, why don't you believe me? Whoever belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. Now again, it's really shocking, right? Because who is he speaking to this time? It is not the crowd. It is not the Pharisees, but he's talking to his very own disciples. And it's kind of a, a joke, right? Because if you read carefully, what does he say? If you hold on to my teaching, you're really my disciples, and then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And then the very next verse, what do the disciples do? They reject his teaching. They don't hold on to his teaching. They question his teaching. They say, what do you mean? How can you say we're not free? We are Abraham's children. See, to hold on to Jesus' teaching is to set you free, and to be free from what? To be free from sin, to be free from death, to be free from condemnation. But yet, the disciples of Jesus, who are Jews, they actually think that because they are descendants of Abraham by blood, that somehow they have some spiritual privilege which gives them some sort of uh, confidence in their destiny. They think in their own mind that their destiny is already heaven because they are Abraham's children. But Jesus says, no, your destiny is not heaven just because you are Abraham's blood because you're a slave to sin and because they are slaves to sin they are not free at all they're actually slaves and because they're slaves they will reflect who their true origin is their true origin is not Abraham and neither is their origin God but their origin is the devil see just as uh, I said before about my sister right that you know you can take my sister out of Singapore, but you can't take the Singapore out of my sister. In the same way, that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying that their identity is shown by their actions. He said, look, you want to murder me? Who was the original murderer? It was the devil. When Cain, Cain killed Abel, right? that was the first murder. It was, it was because the, the devil was behind in the picture. You prefer lies, lies about yourself, lies about me, 
rather than the truth. Even though I speak the truth, you reject the truth. And who prefers lies to the truth? It is the devil. You see, at the end of the day, what Jesus is saying, if we follow very clearly, I try to condense it all into one picture, right? If you look at this slide, I think hopefully you can understand it and see what I'm saying. Can you see it up there? If you look at what Jesus has been arguing all along, hopefully, you know, if you can understand, you can disagree with me later, but I think this is what Jesus is saying, if you condense it all into one slide, that he's saying is their origin is of the devil. That's who they come from. And because the origin is of the devil, their present state is that they are living in darkness. They are living in uh, a state of sin, as slaves to sin. Now, the Jews will disprove that, right? The Jews will disagree with that. And they'll say, no, our origin is Abraham. Our origin is God. And our state right now is that we are actually part of the family of God. But Jesus says, no, that is not the truth. That is a lie. That is something that you are, you are fooling yourself with. But because this is your origin, you're of the devil, and your state is you're living in darkness and sin, then what is your destiny? Well, your destiny is that you will die. You will die in your sins and face condemnation. Now what Jesus offers then, it's the next slide, is to change a person's destiny. It is to change your destiny, change the direction of your life, the trajectory of your life. Yes, you are born of the devil. Yes, you are living in darkness and yes, you are a slave to sin. But Jesus God's Son is able to change that destiny. He's able to set you free from sin. And He's able to give you the light of life. That is the challenge that Jesus puts before the crowd, isn't it? At the end of the day, He's not going to answer the questions anymore. What He's really interested in is, is a response, the right response to get them to move from darkness into the light. Now, I think that uh, what Jesus says today, as we read, is very hard for us to not just understand, but to accept in our hearts. Uh, because it is a very, very offensive thing for people to hear. I remember reading in the newspaper, uh, in the live section, many, many months ago. I can't remember. It was some famous movie star, right? Is it Meryl Streep? Somebody like that. Uh, okay, And she was saying how uh, she's come to the age where... She has no time uh, for negative people or negativity. Right? And she said that she only has time for people who love her and uh, people who affirm her and make her feel good about herself. Right? And uh, I thought, well, you know, that really reflects how people think these days. Right? They, I mean, they, they think that uh, I, you know, I, I don't have time for negative people. All I'm interested in are all those friends of mine who give me thumbs ups and likes on my Facebook and Twitter, right? I don't have time for negative people. So I was watching a, a movie a few weeks ago, it was really good on, on Blu-ray, called Chef, but it's a lot of bad language, but it's a good movie anyway. Anyway, so the son was telling the father how, you know, you should ignore all these people that criticize, because this guy's a chef, right? So you should ignore all the people that criticize your food because they're not really, they're not really, uh, you shouldn't don't listen to because they're just haters, right? There are lots of haters, Right, so don't listen to the haters. So I was thinking, yeah, I mean that that sort of again reflects the same mood, right? Don't listen to people who criticize you. Don't listen to people who say bad things about you. They're just haters, 
Right? Let's rule them off. You know, don't listen to them. You have no time for them. Just, just spend time with people who affirm you and make you feel good and, uh, 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 you know, uh, tell you how great you are. But I think the problem with what Jesus says here is that he, he comes across as a bit of a hater, right? Come, comes across as a bit of a negative person. A lot of negativity, right? right? But what he speaks is the truth. He's telling us our true state. He's telling us our true origin and our true destiny. But he's also offering us the true light of life. And the offer there is for everyone. See, I want you to come back to verse 26, right? There's this, uh, I'm sure all of you just ignored it before when you read it. I saw, it's very easy for me to ignore it because there's so many other things that Jesus says, right? But look at what Jesus says in verse 26. I have much to say in judgment of you. But he who sent me is trustworthy. And what I heard from him, I tell the world. See what Jesus says in chapter 8. It's difficult. It's hard. It is negative. It is critical. It is judgmental. But it is true. And it comes from God. And it is reliable and it is valid. Remember they were saying, oh don't listen to him, what he's saying is not valid. He's saying, look, it comes from the Father that is true and is valid. And he wants you to listen. Because if you do not listen, then you really don't understand where you stand before God today and where you will go and how to solve that problem. So I hope that as we listen to today's word, as we think about it, as we reflect on our own lives, we will see that what Jesus says is true and reliable and valid. We are living in darkness. We are slaves to sin. We cannot change our destiny. We need Jesus to move us into the light. And you know, it's quite interesting because I was trying to picture an image in my mind. I was going to put a picture up here, but I, I can't, couldn't find the right picture. right? But you think of it, when you're living in darkness and you move to light, there is no in-between things. Right? Imagine... A spotlight, right? You're either in the spotlight in the light or you're in the darkness. There is no in-between, okay? There's no 50 shades of grey, okay? There is just darkness and there's light. And the only way you move from one to the other is to, to follow and believe in Jesus. That's the only way. So I hope that uh, as we have heard Jesus' words, you go back and think a bit more about it and really see that in Jesus Christ we have moved from the darkness. We will never walk in the darkness, but we will live in the light of life. Let's go to God in prayer. Dear Fathers, we come before you today. Help us to see that the words of Jesus are hard, hard words. That the crowd had real trouble accepting it and grasping it. They really had trouble understanding their true origins. That they were not of some spiritual heritage, some spiritual privilege, but rather they were of the devil. That their state was one of living in darkness, the darkness of death, of sin and wickedness and evil. That they were slaves to sin. It was truly offensive to them and it offends us even today. To humble ourselves so much to say that we are of the devil, that we are living in darkness, that we live in sin and wickedness. 
But help us to see that the words of Jesus come from your very uh, heart, from your very soul, from your very breath. They come from you. And they are valid and they are true. And dear Father, help us to see that the only way to move from darkness into the light of life is to believe in Jesus and to hold on to His teaching. Help us to see that we cannot change our destiny ourselves. We are destined for death, condemnation and judgment. Dear Father, help us to see that the only way to change our destiny is to accept this wonderful gift of your Son coming to this world. And we pray for all of us here today that we will accept and believe in Jesus and hold on to his teaching and to always live in the light of life. And we pray for all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.